You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. War has broken out again in Europe. In the wee hours of Thursday, February 24, Russian missiles rained down on several cities across Ukraine, including its capital, Kiev. Hundreds of civilian casualties have been reported, and thousands more have evacuated to Poland. It's the darkest days of Europe since the Second World War. I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast, and in this episode, we let you in on a conversation that I and our senior editor, Regina Le, had with a journalist based in Serbia. Nikola Mikovic also works as a political analyst, and even prior to the invasion had been covering Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine. Nikola brings with him a unique perspective because 23 years ago, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, led by the United States, carried out aerial bombings on what was then known as Yugoslavia. The attack ended after 10 weeks, but it left his country devastated for years. And that's why he says there's no best-case scenario for Ukraine in this conflict. Take a listen. I wrote dozens of articles on that topic. Actually, I was not sure if the invasion will take place or not until recently, until I saw that certain Western countries relocated their embassies from Kiev to the Western Ukrainian city of Lviv. So that was an indication that something's about to happen, especially after Israel uh, relocated its embassy. And Israel is, I'm pretty sure, one of the most informed countries in the world. It has maybe the best intelligence in the world, Mossad. Right, you did mention that new geopolitical reality on the ground. Uh, I, because I did read some of your opinion articles. But I am just curious, though, what's the end goal for Russia? What does it really want? And what does it want to get out of this? So what's Russia's goal? From what I see, it's not to incorporate Ukraine into the Russian Federation, but to capture Kiev and to, to have a pro-Russia puppet regime in Kiev. That's one aspect. And I mentioned new geopolitical reality. So I think there will be enormous changes, especially in terms of energy, especially if the West cuts off Russia from SWIFT. But the point is, from the Russian perspective, it needs to be a pro-Russian government in Kiev. And its army has to be extremely weak so that it does not pose a threat to the Russian Federation. I've heard other analysts say that the sanctions aren't going to work because ultimately it's Europe that's going to pay the price because they get a third of their natural gas from Russia. So 
can keep sanctioning, but ultimately, once Europe starts to feel the squeeze, then they're going to start backing off. What's your take on that whole situation, on the sanctions specifically? Well, if Washington decides to pressure European countries to stop purchasing Russian gas, then those countries will have serious problems. Or if they just willingly decide to break ties with Russia, they will be in trouble. And uh, Russia will be in trouble in any case, because the Russian economy will suffer and the standard of living for ordinary Russians will continue to decline. I expect protests in Russia. In 2014, before the war in the Donbass broke out, there were much larger protests in Russia, anti-war protests. And at the time, pro-Western opposition in Russia was relatively strong. Uh, and uh, over the past eight years, Putin and his government, they shut down many Western-backed NGOs. And so I don't think uh, the current protests can pose threat to Putin and to, to his uh, government. But in, in the long term, the economy will play a role and Russia will feel consequences uh, of its decision to start a war against Ukraine. To those of us who are outsiders, this feels very surreal. This is war in the year 2022. To most of us, we've never seen anything like it. You know, missile strikes, an air, land and sea attack, able-bodied men being banned from leaving the country because they now need to go to war for their country. What's the best case scenario here for Ukraine, do you think? Yeah, I'm afraid there is no best case scenario for Ukraine. Ukraine's victim in this geopolitical game. So if there was a deal between Russia and the United States, then Ukraine, as we know, will simply not exist in the near future. There will be a country named Ukraine, but not under its current borders. And authorities in Kiev will be simply Russian puppets. They will have to have pursue uh, Russia-friendly policy. Yeah, you've never seen that. As I said, I experienced what they're experiencing right now. It was not that brutal, thank God. But to this day, uh, my own country has not recovered from, from that war. And um, Ukraine will also feel consequences for, for around a long time. NATO will most likely continue to supply Ukraine with weapons, but I don't think NATO troops will be on the ground to fight against the Russians. They could enter Ukraine only if there is a deal to divide Ukraine, just like Germany was divided up in the Second World War. So um, the French and Brits and uh, the Americans, they had their own zones of influence, and the Soviet Union had its own zone of influence and zone of occupation. There is no rule of law, there is no international order. Might makes right. That's been the case throughout all human history. And that's what we are witnessing nowadays. So Russia is, has powerful armed forces and they will most likely defeat uh, the Ukrainian army and then they will control the country. So that's how things work. It's pretty simple. Now, after the war, uh, some sort of new order will be created, especially in terms of energy. Again, I'm Kat Ventura, the executive producer of Teka Teka. This episode was produced with our senior editor, Regina Le. It was edited by Presh Capistrano. If you like our news reports, 
Share them with your friends. And check out Teka Teka Explains. It's our deep dive explainers on stories you won't usually find anywhere else. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.